Good morning. Would you guys stand up? Welcome to the worship gathering of our Conroe Bible Church family here on Resurrection 
Sunday. We have just sung a song that invites us to worship no matter our spiritual condition. So our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus by his grace this morning. Our Savior is alive, and because his, he is alive, our faith is alive, and we do not worship in vain. We're going to continue to worship this morning in song and in prayer and in God's Word, and uh, we invite you to connect with Jesus along the way. We also are offering uh, worship stations up front here. Uh, so during the next couple of songs, if you would like to encounter Jesus in a personal way, one-on-one, -on -one, we invite you to come forward. There's a cross here where you can write a sin anonymously on it and nail it to the cross. And, and let the Lord uh, just be reminded the Lord took care of your sins for you. Or if it's a habitual sin that you want to confess to him and, as you come to worship. There's a sandbox over here if you want to draw a sin or a burden in it and then smooth it out and be reminded that Jesus remembers our sins no more and that we can cast our burdens upon him. There are also rocks over here that you could hold that might better represent a burden for you. You can drop it into the water as you cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And then we will have some of our uh, shepherds, some of our elders up here on the far right, if you would like someone to come and to uh, pray over you. So come forward and, and we would be glad to pray with you. This is just all part of our worship. This is not preparation for worship. This is worship. And we invite you to sing right where you are as well. I am thrilled that you are here and I'm thrilled that we can worship together on Resurrection Sunday.
scheme of hell, no scoffer's crown, no burden great can hold you down straight. You reign forever, let your church
you today because you gave your life for us and more than that you came walking out of that tomb for us Amen. father we thank you for the life that you give to broken people we worship you this morning in jesus name amen you guys can be seated and if you're one of our kids k through five you can be dismissed to sunshine kids club and if you're a guest with us and you want to uh, as a parent, want to take your kid over there, you can get them taken um, and checked in and then come back and join us.
We need Jesus. Thank God he is alive. Life is tough in a fallen world. Anxiety is rising and peace is hard to find. And whether your conflict is out there somewhere or your conflict is in here, I think you'll agree with me that the words of an old Rich Mullins song capture emotion well, uh, what it's like to live in troubling times. I'm going to read the first two verses of one of his songs. He wrote this, well, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all when the mountains look so big and my faith is just seems so small. And I wake up in the night and feel the dark. It's so hot inside my soul. I swear there must be blisters on my heart. Those two verses represent a, a deluge of emotion, uh, confusion and doubt and pain that most of us could identify with. They, they could apply to words that you might receive in the doctor's office. They could apply to words that might have to do with a big decision you have to make or a big decision that's been made for you. They could, could apply to virtually any situation as you think about the whole social, political, spiritual climate of our country or just the circumstances of your life. We need Jesus, and thank God he is alive. And I like the way that Rich Mullins completed his chorus, and it comes up several times throughout the song. He says this, so hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my Prince of Peace? Those verses apply to all of us in some fashion. We know pain and suffering, confusion and doubt, helplessness and hopelessness. But Mullins didn't leave us alone without answers to stew in the tension and the stress of life. He cried out, so hold me, Jesus. I like Rich Mullins because his songs are raw and they're authentic and real. They come from a genuine place. They come from a genuine heart of a singer-songwriter that pursued Jesus with a passion. A singer-songwriter who struggled with alcohol and depression and dark times. A singer-songwriter who cried out to Jesus, hold me, and gave us a beautiful song with the same words so that we could sing along and cry out in our own ways. He died an early death on an accident on the interstate, but he was a man who knew that the father was fond of him and he was a man who wanted to deliver a message everywhere he went that you are the one Jesus loves. To repeat that over and over again. So I repeat, we need Jesus. Perfect peace comes from our risen Lord. And in these troubled times, we have issues that we need our Lord to take 
care of. In fact, we have more issues than comforts that we could lean on or discover or find to try to take care of all of our issues. The same Christ that exploded grace in your hearts at conversion offers his peace 24-7. And that's what we want to look at this morning as we celebrate the Lord who died and rose again. He offers a peace that cannot be explained when we are overwhelmed. That is our Jesus. We're going to turn to Isaiah 26.3. If you want to turn with me. We're going to put the spotlight on this verse. And this, is, this verse is found in a song of Isaiah, chapter 26. It is a song in God's word that points us to Jesus. And this text has a power for us, a power to move into our lives and bring hope where there is no hope, bring joy where there is no joy, bring light in the midst of darkness and freedom where there is bondage. Because these verses point us to Jesus. Thank God he is alive. As Isaiah thought about Jesus and his future kingdom, he was inspired to write these words. And this is what he wrote in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. What beautiful words. This song to be sung in the millennial kingdom when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom. And the capitalized you here refers to Jesus, the one who is called Prince of Peace by Isaiah back in chapter 9, before this chapter 26. It's important to understand the context of this text. It was written 700 years before Jesus' time on earth. And it was written during a time in which the northern kingdom of Israel had been attacked and oppressed by the Assyrians. Uh, a wicked, a powerful, a bloodthirsty nation that had come in and overtaken the northern kingdom. And Isaiah is going to give them words of comfort as he points to the future, to a time when God will ordain peace. But they, like us, at that time, had a decision to make every day. Were they going to trust in the Lord for peace? Or were they going to try to find their own comfort and protection in whatever ways that they could in their lives and in their broken down nation? We have that same choice today. Are we going to trust Jesus? Are we going to find his perfect peace through the power of his presence? Or are we going to turn our own direction and go our own way and try to settle our own accounts with the issues that we are working through, the pain that we are suffering, the lies of Satan that we are believing the song of Isaiah will be sung in the millennial kingdom, but the application is for us today. It's a timeless application. There is no hesitancy on God's part to offer peace, to envelop us in his peace. Jesus offers the power of his presence so that we can experience a peace that cannot be explained. It is beyond all human comprehension. All of us need God's peace. 
and we must experience his peace to enjoy life abundantly as Jesus designed it for us. Sometimes in addition to God's peace, you may need the medical help of a doctor who prescribes medication. And sometimes you may need a professional counselor when it comes to anxiety and, and tension and stress and worry to gain insight and, and tools to cope. But all of us need Jesus when it comes to anxiety. All of us need peace in troubled times, and we need to find that through Jesus Christ. So we're going to look carefully at each phrase of Isaiah 26, verse 3, from our perspective. And, and I'm going to tie it into the chorus of Hold Me, Jesus, as we go along the way. And first, the first phrase, we have the promise of perfect peace. Hold me, Jesus, when chaos reigns. Hold me, Jesus, when chaos reigns. Jesus offers complete inner rest. Hold me, Jesus, when chaos reigns. Our God is a God of great generosity. I love that attribute of God because it applies to every other attribute of his. And so whereas his love is infinite, he is generous in giving his love to you and to me. And whereas his mercy is infinite, he is generous in giving his mercy to you and me. And whereas his peace, among all his other characteristics, is infinite, he is generous in giving his peace to you and me. Look at the first phrase here in Isaiah 26. You keep him in perfect peace. Our, height, our hearts cry out for peace. And this is God's promise of peace. Perfect peace is the peace of God through Jesus Christ. Biblical peace always addresses our hearts. This peace is an all-embracing peace that restores and redeems, makes us complete. It restores us to a condition of peace as it should be. The Hebrew word here for peace is the word shalom. You're familiar with that Word, that Hebrew word that is still used today for greetings and for goodbyes, for blessings of well-being, shalom. It is a word that means more than just the absence of conflict when it comes to peace. It has to do with restoration, has to do with wholeness and with completeness, the way that God has designed us to be. Perfect peace does not mean that all my circumstances go away. It does not mean that all my prayers will suddenly be answered positively. But peace does mean that our hearts and minds are steadied by the truth of God and by his grace, which allows us to be whole and complete, to have an inner rest and a quiet confidence amidst all the chaos of life. I have a short video for you to watch. It's just a little bit over three minutes. I want us to watch this together from the Bible Project because it so well explains this concept of shalom and what it means in our lives. And then we'll pick up with Isaiah 26. 
The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Shalom is a beautiful word. That means we can be complete and we can be whole even when everything around us is falling apart. Shalom is God's gift to us because he's a generous God. What an incredible thing that it's not strictly removing us from a situation of conflict, but giving us an inner rest and completeness that we lack without Jesus Christ.
And God is serious about it here. This way that it's phrased here is in the English is perfect peace. That's the way scholars put it together. The, the two words there are actually peace, peace, or actually shalom. So it actually says in the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. That is what you keep him in, shalom, shalom. God is serious about this. He is generous with his peace. He does not withhold it. Just says he is unconditional in his love. He is unconditional in offering peace to all who will take hold of it. It's an incredible thing to worship the living God, to take hold of the peace that he offers for us. We can cry out, hold me, Jesus, because he cares for us and he offers us peace in the midst of chaos. Well, perfect peace is ours to possess. In the next phrase, we get a glimpse of in whom that peace resides in whom and, and who it is that gives it to us. I would say this about the second phrase, hold me, Jesus, my Prince of Peace. Hold me, Jesus, my Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince, the, the peace that we need. Hold me, Jesus, my Prince of Peace. Peace transcends our chaos because it does not come from us. It comes from God. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is the origin and the source of peace that continues on regardless of what is going on in our lives or the world about us. Peace comes to us when we are preoccupied with the Prince of Peace, when we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, when we are trusting him. The next phrase calls us to lean into the one who offers peace. The next phrase simply says this, whose mind is stayed on you. His mind is stayed on you. Our peace comes from Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is our shalom. He offers peace with God to all who believe in him. And that's important to us, especially when you consider that concept of wholeness and restoration of relationship. Because when you look at scripture, you realize that God offers an awful lot to those who believe in Jesus Christ. But you also recognize that we are described as sinners and those who are helpless and those who are enemies of God. That doesn't speak of peace. Those who are ungodly. In fact, in another place in scripture, we're told that we are spiritually dead and that we are deserving of wrath. That does not speak of peace. In fact, we're told that the penalty for being a sinner, for being ungodly, for being an enemy of God is death and eternal separation from God. But Jesus is our shalom and we celebrate Easter because he went to the cross and as a sinless substitute, he was able to take on all the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, and the sin of everyone who has ever lived. He took that upon himself. He was able to do that because he was sinless. He was able to pay an eternal price because he was God, and he was able to die because he was man. And that's the penalty for sin, death. 
Jesus died and he was buried and then he rose again from the dead. And that's why we are here today. Our faith is alive because Jesus is alive and we need Jesus. So thank God he is alive. Jesus is our shalom. He is the one who offers forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life so that instead of being enemies of God, we can become the friend of God. We can receive forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life. Peace transcends our situations and the flaws of our own personal lives. Peace is found in our Lord, our Shalom. We know the Prince of Peace to be Jesus himself, and we must be preoccupied with him. We can't have a divided mind and, and be preoccupied with our issues and our worries and our anxieties. We've got to focus on Jesus himself. When Jesus is the object of our affection and the rock in whom we trust, our minds are steadied by truth. And our souls are calmed by his love. Our feelings cannot steady our souls. Only Jesus can do that. When we do not look to Jesus, then anxiety rises and peace is hard to find. When you look in the New Testament at the word that is used for worry, the word that is used for being anxious, it's a Greek word. It's merimnata. It's actually two Greek words brought together. The first word is to divide, and the second word is mind. You get the picture there. It means to divide the mind. And so that when we are anxious and we are worried, our mind is divided. We are giving more thought to destructive thoughts than to legitimate thoughts. We are preoccupied and concerned and obsessed over what is going on in our lives instead of being preoccupied with Jesus, the one who will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. Peace transcends our situations and our flaws because of Jesus Christ. If we give in to destructive thoughts, then we're letting our fears become our realities until we're overwhelmed with anxiety and, and worst-case scenarios. A divided mind is easy to have in, a, in this fast-paced world, right? It can be simple things like technology, relationships, social media, emails, all the things on our to-do list. There's a lot of things in our fast-paced lifestyle that can divide our minds and, and pull us apart, not to mention all the things that we are concerned about. Some of it's just the mental state of being preoccupied with circumstances and people and things. The destructive aspect comes and leaves us defenseless when we are no longer preoccupied with Jesus. When we no longer look at our circumstances through the grid of who he is and through his character, his power and his love and his majesty, his sovereignty and the peace that he offers us. The solution is to focus on Jesus there is a peace found in God that nothing can rob you of. And Jesus is generous with his peace. He told his anxious and fearful disciples the night before he went to the cross. John 14, 27, he said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Such a, a beautiful message from Christ for so many reasons. Number one, the next day he would go and he would understand suffering far better than we ever will. We're told that he was our, uh, our high priest who can understand and empathize with us because he has experienced everything that we have. He's experienced far more suffering on the cross, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, than we ever will. And that's comforting in and of itself. But it's even more comforting that, that he would take the time at a very anxious and tense time for these disciples who are in Jerusalem at the moment. He's saying strange things about being gone. He's saying strange things about he has come to Jerusalem and he will suffer and die and rise again. And they're in Jerusalem where all the religious leaders are ready to kill him and any of his followers. And this is what he wants them to know. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I'm not going to try to sign a peace treaty with the religious leaders. I'm not going to try to bring some absence of conflict. I'm going to give you a peace that makes you complete and whole inside so that you can deal with everything else that is going on around you. So that you can be my followers in the days and weeks to come. So that you can tell others about me. That's the message of Jesus. He offers peace which makes us complete and whole regardless of what is going on whether the conflict is out there or in here. We need Jesus to hold us with his peace. He didn't stop there. In the appearances after his resurrection, we see at least three in the Gospel of John where he appears to the disciples. They're always in a locked room, if that tells you anything uh, about their emotional state, about their fears. And each time he says to them, peace be with you. That's his first word. Three times, one chapter. Now, I've said earlier that that was a common hello and a common goodbye. So I'm sure Jesus said that lots and lots to him. But it is in the Gospel of John because that's a tense emotional time. And they need to know that he is constantly available to them, that he wishes their well-being, that he wants them to be whole and complete. I believe Jesus is constantly whispering that to us all day long when we are preoccupied with him. Peace be with you. Because he is generous with his peace. I give you my peace, he says, a wholeness. It gives you grace to experience life to the fullness, completely and abundantly, regardless of your circumstances. So in our chaotic lives with our stress and our tension and our anxiety. We need to be able to cry out, hold me, Jesus. Hold me. I need you, my Prince of Peace. Jesus is the peace we need. He's the one who offers perfect peace. And in the final phrase, we discover how to experience his peace in this world. The final phrase of three in Isaiah 26 I would say this about it. Hold me, Jesus. I need you. Jesus is the one to whom we cling to experience the shalom that he talks about. Hold me, Jesus. I need you. There's only one way to experience the peace of God in this world, and that's to trust Jesus. That is to depend upon Jesus. 
That is to lean into his strength, to acknowledge him, to admit your need of him, to receive him through the power of his presence. Isaiah makes it clear, crystal clear in verse 3 here, the final phrase, because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hold me, Jesus. I need you. We expend a great deal of energy on anxiety and worry. We, we waste a great deal of time trying to figure our way out of it on our own. Psychologists tell us that about 90% of what we worry about never comes to fruition. But there is one, the Prince of Peace, with whom we could be preoccupied with that energy and with that time that will restore us to a wholeness and a completeness and give us strength by his grace for the moment. If Isaiah wasn't clear enough in verse 3, he goes on in verse 4, and he says this, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. What great words of comfort. What great direction and exhortation for us. Prayer is the greatest means for expressing our dependence upon the Lord. Talk to God clearly and directly about your needs. Prayer is not my suggestion, by the way. It is God's exhortation. You remember the words of Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Include everything in your prayer. All your emotions, all your thoughts, all your worries and your anxieties, all your thankfulness, all your triumphs, every way that you've seen God work in you and through you. Include that in your prayer. Whether it's a, a lengthy sit-down prayer, it's a, it's a simple five-second arrow prayer, help me, Jesus, right now. Every prayer is effective because we're going to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who asks us to pray that way. I challenge you to practice that passage in the coming days. Whether you start your day with that, Lord, I need you today. I trust you. I, I thank you that you're in control. You know everything that's going on. During the day, send up those five-second prayers. You're getting ready for a big meeting, a big decision. You're struggling in a relationship. Lord, help me. I need you. At the end of the day, thank the Lord for his work in and through you. Thank him that he showed up. As I said earlier, prayer doesn't mean that everything is going to go away and be straightened out and our circumstances are going to be completely fine. Prayer in st stressful times does not always make the situation better, but it does make us better because it puts us in connection with the living God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we experience his peace through the power of his presence. It's a promise that he made there that Jesus will guard your hearts and minds. He'll guard your thoughts and your emotions. The word picture is one of a sentry 
guards an entrance, the coming and going. And so Jesus is going to guard against those destructive thoughts, and he's going to let in the legitimate thoughts. He's going to be there so we don't have to have a divided mind, so that we can be preoccupied with him, so that we can lean on him, so that we can learn from him, so that we can experience his power with a simple request and complete reliance. I exhort you to cry out to Jesus, hold me, Jesus. Well, in order to know the peace of God, you must have peace with God. You can't call out to Jesus if you're not related to him personally. As I said earlier, scripture tells us that we are sinners, so we're separated from God. But Jesus offers peace to all who will believe in him. And that peace starts with a relationship with God. He removes the enmity between us as sinners and God because he forgives us of our sin. Guilt and shame are no more. And he replaces it with the free gift of eternal life. And by that, he enters our life to lead us. This eternal life is his life, and it starts the moment that you trust Jesus Christ. You've got to have peace with God in order to experience the peace of God. And so I would challenge you this morning that if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you have not received forgiveness of sins, that you do that right now. That you celebrate a true resurrection Sunday, that Jesus is alive, and that we can cry out to him to hold us. By receiving Jesus as your Savior. It's very simple. You simply believe that he is God the Son. You believe that he died on the cross for your sin in your place. Was buried and rose again. And then you can thank him. Because at that moment he forgives you of your sins. That's the simplicity of grace. Of the gospel. And he enters your life. And he offers his peace. Not as the world gives but his eternal peace that makes you whole and completes you and sets you off on this faith journey of becoming like Jesus Christ. You can do that in the silence of your heart right now. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads right now, if you will. And if that's the decision you want to make today to trust Jesus, I invite you just to say a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm tired of going my own way and trying to figure my own way out in this world. I believe that you are God the Son. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins in my place. And I ask you to come into my life and lead me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins, for forgiving me my sins and for entering my life to lead me. Amen. If you talk to Jesus that way this morning, for the first time, you are now a child of God. You have received salvation. And not only is hell canceled and heaven guaranteed, but Jesus has entered your life, and his peace is available to you. And if you're here this morning celebrating... Jesus, as your resurrected Lord, I invite you to cry out frequently and fervently. Hold me, Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you 
for the privilege of the gathering here this morning in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the joy, Jesus, of knowing you. We thank you that you have died on the cross for our sins, that you rose from the dead, that you are victorious over sin and Satan, and that you send us on this life journey of trusting you. And we thank you that you are the one who keeps us in perfect peace, a peace that restores, that gives us the grace to be complete and whole, regardless of where we've been and what we've done and what is going on around us. And we pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.
We have saved our annual liturgical phrase. It's the only one we have in our non-denominational independent Bible church. For later in the service. We used to start the Easter service, but today we wanted it to be filled with the intensity of your worship in the presence of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to bark out the first phrase, and you can reply. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. 
That was a good ending. Thank you for being with us.
You guys have a blessed week.